It's a special 10th edition of the Hops and Spirits podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. Not only is it special because it's our 10th episode, but we are debuting a new feature and announcing some cool things in honor of our 10th episode, but you got to stick around for all of that. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll talk to Sam Cruz and Jerry Nagy of Against the Grain Brewery in Louisville. Uh, let me put it to you this way. They have some crazy stories, some fun stories. It is a great interview. And remember, you can find the Hops and Spirits on Facebook and Instagram. Search Hops and Spirits or at Hop Spirits, all one word, is a quick find for us on Instagram and Facebook. And remember, we're sponsored by One Sip Beer Review. Find them on Instagram at One Sip Beer Review. They do daily beer reviews and giveaways. Maybe not giveaways every day, but they always have some fun going on. So check them out at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. And let's start off our 10th episode with some fun as we open up a six-pack of questions. Joining us now on the Hops and Spirits podcast for a six-pack of questions is Alex Wilson, former Major League pitcher with the Boston Red Sox, Detroit Tigers, and Milwaukee Brewers. He's also my brother-in-law. So, uh, Alex, thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Anytime. It's always nice to help out when I can. Now, the first question I'm going to ask you might be the hardest one you've ever gotten. Okay. All right. So, beer or bourbon? What's your choice these days? Oh, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna lean towards beer at the moment. But now you do like your bourbons too, because I've I've seen your collection before. Oh yeah, yeah. Not afraid to not afraid to dabble in the bourbon. I probably have somewhere between forty and fifty different time, types at the house. So <laughs> it's uh it's safe to say that I enjoy my bourbons. But lately, I've been uh, on a beer kick for sure. So, what's your go-to beer these days? Well, go-to everyday beer. I love Schinerbach, um, but Carbach has a new or a newer beer out called a Hellfighter, and it is uh, it's probably on my top end right now. And it's one of those that it, you don't drink a lot of them. You you know, one or two is probably good. It's a heavier beer, higher al- alcohol content, but it's delicious. All right, now we're going to transfer a little bit away from the beer and bourbon. You pitched in the, the big leagues for, for quite a while. What was it like to be a major league baseball player? Uh, for me, I mean, I think it's like every little kid's dream. You know, I grew up and that's all I wanted to ever do and was fortunate enough to make that dream come true. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a different lifestyle for sure. It's a, one that keeps you away from home a whole lot, but at the same time, it's incredibly rewarding and you, it's, I mean, you get to say that you're one of the best 750 players in the world, and it's something that no one can ever take away from you. So it's a it's an incredible feeling and something that I'll cherish for the rest of my life. What was the coolest moment in your career? Because you've had a lot of them, whether it was being called up, playing in Fenway, you name it. What was the, the coolest moment in your career? Uh, I, I think probably just that my, my debut was definitely one of them. It's one that just like you – it still replays in my mind because it went by so fast at that time. And now looking back, it was like, Holy smokes, I got lucky. Um, but at this, and it, you know, it's kind of ingrained into you as a person. And then past that, I would say, um, you know, probably my first save, uh, I got my first save, which was unconventional. I went an inning in two thirds against the Baltimore Orioles, who I also made my debut against. Um, so the Orioles did a lot of good things for my career. Uh, but, you know, and then just I would say this, the relationships, the people that I used to watch on TV 
and then I became good buddies with him. Was it was kind of surreal for me, and I, you know, I'm still good friends with everybody I played with, and it's uh, it's been kind of a, a brotherhood brotherhood of sorts to kind of lean on. And then you've traveled all over, whether it was for baseball or for not. What's the best city place you've ever visited, and and why? What what set it apart from everything else? I'm gonna go with Portland, Maine. Really? Um. Yeah, it is an absolutely beautiful place in the summer. Uh, it is unique. It's just kind of a small town feel. I'm not a big city guy, so having that small town feel with all the big city food and drinks and everything right there together uh, made it awesome for me. And it, I mean, it helped that I lived there for a year and a half. I had an awesome host family while I was there, but that city alone, where it's located right on the coast with um, kind of everything there, especially in the summer, it's a very summer touristy town, but you know, I spent six months a year there for almost two years. And, uh, it was, it was an, an awesome place. It's hard to describe It's, you know, it's scenic. The food's great. The drinks are great. The people are awesome. It's hard to beat. And then, you know, I guess the second part is what's the worst place you've had to go, <laughs> had to go. <laughs> worst place. Uh, you know, I played in a lot of bad minor league towns, <laughs> a lot of bad ones. Oneonta, New York might be the cream of the crop, though. I remember pulling up to the baseball field, and there's four or five deer in left field just munching away. <laughs> and uh, we were like, what in the world? And we get to the locker room, and it's got a dirt floor, and it's like, okay, this is pro ball, huh? And that was my first year in pro ball. So that, that one's bad, but on the big league circuit, you know, obviously, Oakland's not favorable. It's so unfavorable that, that you don't stay there. You bus in from San Fran. so about an hour ride every day. Uh, and the ballpark there stinks. The, somehow, the sewers get backed up on a regular basis there at the Coliseum. So, I'm going to go with Oakland as my bottom, my bottom dollar there. I was going to say, did the, the one in New York, though, take you back to your days in West Virginia, you know, in high school baseball, you know, seeing some interesting fields? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, I, you know, it's one of those where you're surprised to see an outfield fence, not that it stopped anything. <laughs> uh, what's one of the questions that you constantly have gotten throughout your career that you hated to answer? Oh, wow. That's a tough one there that I hated to answer. Or Who are you? you? <laughs> That's it. It wasn't what, you know, Who where you were you? born. <laughs> you no, know, well, I got that one a lot, but the one that probably aggravated me the most because everybody, you know, lots of people are always standing around the gates and everything searching for autographs, but they don't want just anybody's autographs. They want to know <laughs> who you are. And I'm like, man, so a lot of us guys would always just give them a different name and we signed for each other sometimes. So, uh, you know, it was one of those deals where, you know, if you don't know, we don't know. And we'll, we like to have a little bit of fun with it here and there. I was going to say, I mean, if, if they can't figure out who you are, they're really not that big of a fan then. No, exactly. That's kind of how we saw it. And, you know, if they were going to ha hassle us, we were going to give it right back to them every now and then. And then for our, for the last question, the sixth, you know, the last, the last beer in the six pack, what's the coolest thing that you got to take away from baseball memorabilia wise, or just anything like that? Well, I, I have a world series ring, so it's hard to beat that. Um, you know, my rookie year, we won the world series and I, I'd say that's probably the absolute coolest thing, but I, 
also was able to get a lot of signed stuff from guys that I played with or enjoyed playing. And my, I have a Mariano Rivera signed jersey that I think is probably the cream of the crop for me. Um, so that and, you know, actually I have a Larry Bird signed jersey that I got while playing too. So, you know, playing in Boston has its perks. But I would, I would say Mariano and my uh, World Series ring are the top two things. Awesome, awesome. Well, because I can, I'm going to throw one more question at you. What's next for, for Alex Wilson post-baseball career? What, what are you doing next? Are you going to go into the barbecue business, or, or what, what, what are you going to do? Well, the, bar, the barbecue thing is always going to be a side action for me because I just really enjoy it, and I'm starting to, starting to figure it out. I think I'm pretty good on certain, certain items. But uh, actually, the agency that represented me, Ballingy Group, just hired me to be an agent advisor and so i've been i guess off and running with that for about six weeks now and yeah i couldn't be happier it's it's a great fit i get to kind of be around the guys it's still kind of it's competitive because i'm competing against other agencies trying to represent people and uh, but i get the camaraderie of being with the guys still and it's a fun group. It's a group that's growing. It's a, a younger group in, in the baseball world as far as agents advisors go. But it's also a group that has a lot of experience in different ways. And I think hopefully, you know, all my big league time will kind of be a big part of my resume when I approach these younger guys and want to represent them. And hopefully a few of my big league friends will switch over and let me go to work for them as well. Well, uh, it sounds like you got some good things coming up. And Alex, thank you for, for taking this time to talk a little beer and your, you know, your, your life, sharing that with us. Absolutely. Beer, baseball, and barbecue. That's about it. <laughs> thank you to Alex Wilson for opening up a six-pack of questions with us here on the Hops and Spirits podcast. I hope you enjoyed that chat and be on the lookout for some fun guests and future six-packs. And before we get to our next interview, in honor of the 10th episode, we're having some fun with a beer and bourbon gear giveaway. Five of the breweries and distilleries that uh, we talked to have been gracious enough to share some swag with us. So starting at 9 p.m. Eastern tonight on our Instagram page, check out the post on how you can win this awesome giveaway featuring a 2020 Woodford Reserve uh, Kentucky Derby poster, a Woodford Reserve hat, Goodwood Brewing's throwing in some t-shirts, koozies, and stickers. Mirror Twin Brewing in Lexington's throwing in a t-shirt and hat. Against the Grain, who we're about to talk to, has given us a pint glass, koozie, stickers, and some temporary tattoos. And the grand prize, no, just kidding, that's all grand prize. But to top off the giveaway from Lexington Brewing is a branded barrel head. Yeah, you get all of that. And it's pretty simple, too. All you need to do is follow us on Instagram, like the post, tag some friends, little more than that, but that's the basic gist of the giveaway. Complete details will be on the Instagram post for some extra ways to earn some entries. However, here's a podcast-only bonus. If you like us on Facebook, that's right, find us on Facebook at Hops and Spirit or at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Facebook, you get a ten, an extra 10 entries. And if you already like us, well, guess what? You already get those 10 extra entries. The contest ends next Thursday, August 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Now that we've got all that out of the way, joining us now on the Hops and Spirits podcast are two of the co-founders of Against the Grain Brewery in Louisville, Sam Cruz and Jerry Nagy. Sam and Jerry, thanks for taking the time. Thank you. No problem. Now, you all worked in the craft beer industry for a while before you guys decided to launch 
against the grain. Uh, what what made you guys decide to do that? And you know, around the twenty eleven and before that, poverty. <laughs> we knew we knew that if we opened a brewery, that we would become ultra rich, and ultimately wield incredible power in this city and state and, and nation. I did it all for the fame. You know, <laughs> the notoriety and uh, all the things that come along with that, like, uh, you know, access to beautiful women, uh, you know, yeah, both, <laughs> so on and so forth. So, I mean, we're, we're just rolling it right now. Sam's so wealthy, it's, it's, it's disgusting, frankly, and, yeah. and he flaunts it, he flaunts it, and I obviously get more ass than the toilet seat, so. That's it. Can I say ass on this? <laughs> So, so you guys weren't just tired of the grayness of the beers in the in the area. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, the real story. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah you, whenever uh, I guess whenever we opened up, actually, a couple years before that, um, Jerry and I had worked together. He he was my boss and ultimately my mentor as a brewer at that time. Um, and I, I have to say, at, you know, it was really exciting because I was working with possibly one of the best brewers in the world. This stuff he was making was crazy good. And we, we both knew it. Everything that was uh, limited time or specialty was flying off the, I won't say off the shelf, out of the taps. Um, and uh, the, the, the brewery that we worked for just didn't have that, uh, that design where that was something that they wanted to do all the time. It was just kind of a rare offering. And, and in terms of, of what we were doing then, you know, Jer Jerry was making some amazing beers and we noticed that it was that that was moving the needle for the place. So we thought, what the hell, why not try it on our own? However, there was some cattle, like catalyst to that. Um, primarily a pirate statue and a salad bar. And I'll let Jerry talk about those. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, yeah, he's right. Uh, the, the salad bar was a big part of uh, uh, the reason we left. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was yeah a couple of years ahead of time before we left. They uh, the people in the brewery asked not the people in the brewery the restaurant side the owner said hey you know we need to get younger people in here and uh, so they you know bounced a lot of ideas about management and everything else about you know maybe it's parties maybe it's something else uh, but then they arrived on get the salad bar in. Because there's nothing the young kids love more than salad bars. Uh, if you obviously you, you drive by Frisch's uh, on a Saturday night, all the kids are hanging out there and so on and so forth. You know that. Well, they're not because it doesn't it wasn't it. And so it, it, there was a salad bar there, and you had to walk by it every time it went, went out of the brewery. And it was a sad salad bar. It wasn't even like a good one, like a Whole Foods or something. You know, you know those salad bars. Those are high class. This one wasn't any good. Crap. And so it, you know, it was embarrassing. Every every time you walked by it, it was just a, a another time looking in the mirror of embarrassment every time we walked by it. And so uh, that was kind of the start. Like maybe maybe this isn't the place. Maybe this direction isn't going where we would like to go. And then the final kicking uh, the ball. Yeah, I guess you could say it. Is the, it was the pirate statue that showed up. And before that, you know, times were a little bit harder for the restaurant. We they had just opened another, up another location, and uh, we weren't even supposed to use like chemicals and stuff to clean uh, because <laughs> it was too expensive. But all of a sudden, 
out of the blue comes a six-foot pirate hooker statue. <laughs> now, bear in mind, and it was placed prominently, prominently in uh, the front of the restaurant, right when you come in. So if you, if you would have to walk by the pirate hooker statue, take a right turn to go to the salad bar. And um, that, that pirate hooker, he overpaid for it, too. <laughs> I found out how much he paid. I can get a new one for less. But it doesn't matter. Um, but it was just, we weren't, a, we weren't on the river. We weren't, a, we weren't a seafood restaurant. It was just nonsense. It was just stuff like that was nonsense. And not the funny kind of nonsense. Kind of like the cringy, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on here nonsense. So that was when I think Sam called me. I was coming in. And uh, he thought I would say, oh, you know, it's, it's okay. You know, you know, no man <laughs> wants the pirate statue. It's fine. I said, it's time. It's time we start looking around. <laughs> it's, it's time. And so, you know, there's some other other things that happened during that time. But those were the two things that really pushed us out the door. Well, and then you guys decided to draw up your business plan on a yellow legal pad, right? Uh, yeah. 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 I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That actually, really, really not far after that, I think you were. It wasn't. If you were back there and you said, "I've got it," yeah. I mean, you came up with the idea of the category, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and, we yeah. wanted to do something different, and we were talking about like having. It was basically not having five core beers of like uh, every brewery had a pale ale, hey, wheat beer, uh, a brown ale, a stout, and something else, I don't know, IPA. And we wanted to, like, what if we didn't do those things? That was, that's what make us different. And we were talking about having different beers than that as our core lineup, like a double amber or something like that. Good thing, good thing we didn't do that. Right. <laughs> but then we kind of stumbled upon just having uh, categories and flavors, and that's kind of where the six uh, flavor categories or tap theme tap came in, which allowed us to do a bunch of creative stuff, learn about it while we're, we're brewing and, uh, and also have variety, but also within a structure. Now, uh, for, for most, you know, that are launching a brewery, they don't do a brewery and a restaurant. You guys launched with the, the brewery and smokehouse, correct? Yeah. We didn't want to. <laughs> but, but, we really we didn't want to we didn't want to have a restaurant we so we were extremely underfunded um and extremely inexperienced in opening a business and then also that was pretty apparent to most any property owner in louisville and uh you know we 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 had actually went around all over the city and uh and looked for opportunities for a place to, to put a microbrewery in you know, the intention was just to have a brewery and, and make some beers and sell them, but we couldn't get anybody to bite on our concept. And uh, the the location that we got, we actually stumbled upon it one night after being rejected by a property owner. Uh, we went to the place to have beers and they had a, a, a brewery in it actually, but they weren't using it and there was none of their beers on and the lights were off and the place really smelled of death. Like it was clear that the business was struggling. So, you know, kind of shooting from the hip, we, we asked, is this for sale? The uh, brewing equipment and the previous owner of our, our current location, our, our current major location 
uh, said, no, but I, I, I'll sell you the entire business. And really, I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of serendipitous how that all worked out. We, he, he asked just exactly what we had. It's what it came down to. And uh, we, by the skin on our teeth, we got a, a, a brewery and a restaurant all in one that was turnkey. We're talking, with Sam, we're talking with Sam and Jerry, two of the co-founders of Against the Grain in Louisville. Uh, now, you guys later on added the public house and you have a production facility. Um, why did you add another restaurant if you didn't really want to want to do that? <laughs> well, well, the public house came eight years later. Um, you know, we to to be fair, in the beginning, we didn't we we were we are we were not restauranters. Um, at this point, though, almost almost a decade in, I would say we're restauranters and also you know brewery owners. Um, the the next project after our first you know our first location was the production facility and 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 uh you know our intention was to drive it as far as we possibly could but you know in the current state you know the current market of beer really the most viable thing that you can do is sell beer across your bar uh you know it's an incredibly crowded marketplace so being able to have a, an additional on-premise location that was dedicated to our beers really was a good business decision and that's why we decided to, to move in that direction the public health house itself was also another struggling microbrewery in louisville it has a small nano uh, nano sized brewery in there um we picked that up we you know we were really interested in it namely because the location had a lot of uh yeah, sen sentimental value to it so to speak um so, you know, we we feel like that was the right move. And currently, that, it, it was, a, in my opinion, a very intelligent move. And what's the biggest difference between the smokehouse and the public house for those that might visit when both are back open and we're, and are, we're over past this crazy uh, time yeah. in our lives? The, uh, the smokehouse is massive. That's a big restaurant. Uh, it's also located in a AAA baseball stadium. So, you know, it, it's, it's got its vibe and uh, it's pretty big. It's very open and, uh, you know, there's no, it, it's just a great big beer hall that serves barbecue. Um, the public house is exactly what it's called. It, it's very, it's very small. It's probably a fourth of the size of the smokehouse. Um, and the, the menu is very much that of like a pub, a bar, you know, there's, it's not, barbecue food or anything like that um there are some differences our core beers are poured at both locations uh but a as i said both of those spaces have a microbrewery or a, a, you know one has a nano and the other has a, a pub sized brewery in it so there's different beers at each location kind of based on what's being brewed there and then you guys also have your production facility which um has allowed you guys to pretty much send beer almost anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll let Jerry talk to that. Yeah, yeah, about where and what the yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, when, uh, you know, as Sam mentioned, our first brewery was in a restaurant uh, in a ball field, so no really 
chances or space for expansion there. Oh, uh, three stories. It's, it's uh, frankly the most physically taxing brewery I ever worked in. It's really a rough place, and it's old, and it's rough. So, um, as we were, I think, I think we were pushing like 1,800 barrels out of there with five people crawling all over each other. And it was pretty tough. It was without any capabilities of canning. There was no, there's never going to be another fermenter or bigger fermenter. Just no place to put it. So when we started thinking about uh, expanding into something else, and I think we went out one day. I saw a for sale sign somewhere. That place was like a lot of money, and then we were like, got on the MLS and found this place, drove by it, walked in it, and I think that was maybe in January, February of 2014. And I think we had an offer in in June of 14, closed in July, and our first uh, first brew was in January 31st of 15. So it was always uh, kind of funny that uh, when we ever decide to do something, uh, it happens faster than you think it would. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So anyway, we got a, a 30 barrel system here with 60 barrel fermenters. We had the eight, now the capability to can and act large volumes volume and send them out. So um, that was kind of, kind of a big thing for us. We've also, in that time, it's, the beers travel all over the world. I mean, Jerry's been an incredible steward for the company on an international scale. I think you really truly have went around the world. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he like literally, you haven't been on Antarctica? No. Have you been to Africa? close <laughs> so almost I, around I, the world <laughs> yeah i mean australia japan china these are places we sell beer too um all over europe yeah. I, I don't think south america south, south america, america yeah um yeah he's he's we've he, he's been a great salesperson on a global scale for us then in the U.S., we just, you know, we we rode the wave of notoriety from making beers that have underwear and <laughs> and dumb jokes on them. Now, it's now done well. Now, don't be giving away one of my questions here in a little bit. You just yet. <laughs> we're, we're talking with Sam Cruz and Jerry Nagy, two of the co-founders of Against the Grain in Louisville. Now, to me. It seems weird to go away from Louisville in a sense of getting your beers out, but that's kind of what you guys did at the beginning. You went around the America and around the world where kind of craft beer was bigger. Yeah. Well, it um, had to do with the time, uh, the timing of that, you know, 2011 was after kind of a shakeout in 2008 and 2009 in the industry. And uh, Louisville was not, didn't have the craft beer culture. Louisville and Kentucky particularly didn't have the craft beer culture at that time. We weren't, and we weren't distributing enough to, to make that really work, especially to having a location downtown. This was before Nulu and before the arena, or, you know, during the initial phases of having arena, of a downtown arena there. So it was tough to get business um, and it was tough to distribute. We didn't know the, how that worked at that point in time. So. We really leaned on the relationships we had prior to that, and uh, sold so much beer in Chicago from the, you know having those relationships, hooking up with the right distributor, and that led to uh, more visibility around the nation and um, 
more demand for our beer there. So we almost went outside and then had to come back in. Uh, also, our distribution uh, partners at that time were it just was different. Um, they weren't didn't have the ability to really canvas Kentucky and work that way. Um, so it's only been in the last couple of years that we've been able to really have a great partnership with our distribution partners here uh, to really focus on Kentucky. So uh, it was weird how that worked, but again, it's just a matter of circumstance sometimes why why that was. Was it a conscious strategy that we were going to do that? No, but it was what we had to do at the time. Pretty much like opening the smokehouse, yeah. you know, a restaurant. Uh, if you go back in time, we would probably do the exact same thing with the money we had. Yeah. Uh, if we had a million, two million dollars, we would never had a restaurant to start out with, but we right. did. So we had to do it. Uh, knowing Even knowing what we know now, we would probably have to do the same thing. And around the same circumstances. Well, but now you guys are working on kind of distributing more in Kentucky, and and how how has that been to kind of bring it home again? Well, I mean, it, it, it's actually been wonderful to be honest with you. Um, you know, it it it's I'll say it's mildly disheartening at times to be a little behind in terms of other Kentucky brewers that that. Uh, we're able to plant their flag a little bit sooner than we were here at at home. You know, we're ultimately we're like the Godfather Brewery. We've been around for a long time relative to our our colleagues here. But you know, to echoing what Jerry said, our distribution relationships that we were kind of forced into in the beginning really left us no choice but to do what we did. And you know, we've since made some changes, and they they were they're positive. They're challenging for sure, but they were positive for us and uh, our growth and really we've seen dramatic growth and attention here in uh, Kentucky and and ultimately around the the surrounding states as well so you know I, I think for us what, what's exciting is we're we're just now starting to realize the benefit of a home market and it's wonderful you know the the reception's good people they like our stuff um, it feels good to go to, to stores and see your beer around and, and be more known. So I like it. I think everyone else does too. We're talking with Sam Cruz and Jerry Nagy, two of the co-founders of Against the Grain. Now, how did you guys come up with the name Against the Grain? Because I feel like you all like to have a little fun with things. How, how did that come about? Well, it's not, it's not the Bad Religion song first. That's not it. But people like to think so. Um, so as I said, Jerry and I had worked together at uh, Bluegrass Brewing Company for, for some time. And, and we had this really kind of unique situation where we had to run 5,000 pound stacks of grain up this hill and stuff them in, in like essentially a nook or a corner of the brewery, but, you know, cause we didn't have any room. Um, so, you know, we get that grain in there and at any time we had to pull bags of bags of grain for a recipe, you were pulling roughly 20, does that sound about right? About 20 bags, but you had to kind of sift through maybe like 200 bags of grain. Well, moving 255 pound bags of grain every time sucks, like it's not fun. So we would kind of stage, or well, actually he would stage the orders so that when they came in, they were all kind of set in the stack. Well, 
one particular evening we had a terrible brew day the kettle broke i think we had a 16 hour boil to make up for not being able to boil it just was fucked and we were there really late and jerry says hey do you want to just pull the grain for tomorrow and we can come in a little bit later and i'm like yeah that sounds great so i start pulling it and i can't find one specific bag well you know again we're back to down stacking 200 or 255 pound bags restacking it down stacking it again and finding looking around and I, finally i say to jerry i i can't find this i don't think it's in here and i'm standing on it on the stack and uh i said you know i don't think i'm cut out for this i don't i don't think i don't know if i want to be a brewer this sucks and he says again it was a serendipitous moment he says yeah fuck grain this sucks one day we'll have a brewery and we'll call it against the grain and sure enough <laughs> here we are with against the grain i love it <laughs> <laughs> now now i know what doesn't suck is when you guys have fun naming your beers i mean from sit your ass down pool boy light the brown note which the first time i saw that can my wife gave it to me on my 30th birthday and i was like what in the world is this <laughs> <laughs> so how do you guys come up with that and it sounds looks like you have more than enough fun with the designs on those uh i, I have to say i i don't come up with a lot of names I, i've had a hand in some of them and i certainly will bless many but i don't come up with a lot of my a lot of this stuff is born out of uh my my business partner's mind <laughs> he, he, he's jerry is fun all day long <laughs> and he comes up with this shit and really more than anything it's hey there's a list of things that we're like nope can't do that that one's not gonna fly yeah that that one will work but his you can tell well, in your creative yeah, process my creative process uh, i think you it, know you got to throw everything I, yeah, it all oh, yeah. <laughs> right. yeah there's a couple things there yeah i think it's born out of like mental illness first of all <laughs> uh, so there is uh there is uh Especially when you start doing monotonous tasks in a brewery, and that's one of the things that Sam would say as well. All that stuff is stuck so bad, it's almost a one way to keep yourself not sane. It's you, things just start flowing <laughs> when you're standing next to other people and you're doing monotonous tasks, uh, bottling beer is the way we used to do it. In the yeah. cooler. You're freezing, your hands hurt, uh, all this stuff. You start you either you either go crazy or you start going crazy around. the right way. I guess. <laughs> Joking around. And then we always had a like a big white board, or I don't know, it's just a board. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> anyway, and we, uh, any any puns we came up with, it, it, it got put on there. Uh, for Citrus Down, for example, we had probably a good, I, I would say at least 75 names uh, that were terrible. Yeah. And even Citrus Down is not all that good. I just know crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but, but you just couldn't find the right one on that one, and. But I would, some of them were like Sith Ray Charles. Uh, every love, everybody loves Sith Raymond. It doesn't make any sense. But the worst one, well, I'll go ahead and say, is with Citrus and Astros, which is like, it doesn't make any sense. But I said, the more of these bad ones we get out, uh, you know, the, 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 the one behind it might be the winner. Yeah. And so you have to struggle, you have to put them down on paper uh, because. Uh, the one that's the, the winner is right behind it. I'm like pent up. What do you call it? Pent up? Like I need to, I need to like let one loose. 
You need to blow this one out. <laughs> yeah, I need to. <laughs> uh, mentally speaking. Right. Anyway, that's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then the can designs, are, are you guys the artists or do you have a graphic designer that just blows it out of this we, world? We contract, we contract that stuff out to uh, a local artist here in town that we kind of discovered him early on and he committed to working with us for a long time and, and has, um, the, those core lineup of beers designs are, uh, they're like a collaboration between us and the artist Robbie Davis. So we have a pretty cool process where, you know, we, we fill in what we think and, you know, it's taken some years to get there, but we we're able to communicate to him what we want and he is able to, turn it into a really cool picture. And, and how did you um, explain the idea of the brown note can? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I told him I wanted shitty underwear. I mean, really. <laughs> and explained what the brown note was. And uh, that's just, that's really where he landed. <laughs> it was the thing. We were like, we saw it. I remember saying the first time and I was like, I love it. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, now there's, then after it went out for a while, it was like controver contro controversial. What do you call it? Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why? Well, what? Yeah, what? People got, you know, people start getting upset about things. I, I just didn't, didn't know why uh, because uh, I thought it was funny. And, um, you know, poop jokes are funny. You know, poop jokes are funny here in Kentucky. Uh, you can go to Maine, they'll be funny. Uh, I, oh, by the way, I've been all over the world. In Antarctica, they'll be they're funny. <laughs> now, when I go to Mars, you know, poop jokes, they'll be like green poop, but yes. it'll be funny there to, to the Martians. So, you know, it's a universal thing. We're talking with Sam Cruz and Jerry Nagy, two of the co-founders of Against the Grain in Louisville here on the Hops and Spirits podcast. Sam, Jerry... You guys have to enjoy your job, I would assume, because you guys have been doing this for a while now. What's, what's your favorite part of uh, owning and running a brewery? You want to go first? Yeah. Go first. Uh, it took me a while to figure out what I was good at. Um, but And it's, sometimes you, you like things that you're good at. And I think my favorite thing is solving problems and troubleshooting things. Uh, if everything goes right all the time, it, it can get a little boring and monotonous. But I like uh, I like having the, the crew that we have here uh, that we're all good at solving problems and uh, like figuring things out. I like that part of the job about brewing the most. It's just like um, you have to know several different disciplines or at least know something about all those disciplines and then uh, use that experience and, and knowledge to, to find some creative ways to make things work. Uh I'd say it kind of kind of similar, but I, I'm not solving near the problems Jerry is. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, but I, I think I think the bulk of my enjoyment comes from the the people in the industry, and then it, you know the just kind of look being able to look ahead and, and see what's going on. I I really enjoy the beer consumer. You know, I like the evolution of who they are and what you know, what they are now. Um, so I, you know, I, I enjoy that. I like communicating with people. It's, it's just been a lot of fun. As of late, it's, I've really enjoyed working with my, my business partners have gotten, it's been great. You know, they've gotten a lot more, 
I don't know. We, we're more in tune with each other. I think the word is synced up. I think yeah. we're all we're all synced we're up. We simultaneously climax. <laughs> and, and then my my last question. <laughs> My, my last question for you all is what's next for against the grain? Where, where are you guys headed? You know, what was the future hold? Uh, well, okay. So, I mean, obviously that's a tough question considering the, the state of the world, you know, um, we don't know, we don't know what the industry looks like in, in a few years just because things are rapidly changing. But I think what the future is for us is that we get more refined, and more specific about what we do. Um, you know, there's a lot of trends in, in, in alcohol production and beer and beer sales and, and things like that. And we, we kind of follow the things that we think make sense and the things that, that are a part of our ethos and that are not. So the one thing I can say for sure is we are a brewery and we will make beer. We will make good beer. Uh, you know, I know the guys out on the, the production floor and Jerry are constantly refining process and product and uh and then beyond that we're also we're becoming better uh supplier partners for our, our distribution partners and becoming more attuned to the market in terms of communicating with the consumer and and, and being aware so you know against the grain is is maturing uh it's becoming in my opinion it's becoming better more consistent uh i will say in terms of projects uh we're you know, here locally, we're interested in, in really creating more experiences for our customer base when they come around again. Um, you know, we, our, our, our production brewery doesn't have a tap room. You know, we've, we've never done that. We've neglected that. So that's coming up. That's in the future. And then beyond that, we want to put uh, an experience kind of like a, an outdoor experience here at our production facility in the unused space we have. So uh, just more concepts to build on what we currently have. Anything, Jerry? All right. But, but now you guys aren't going to mature too much more, right, though? I mean, if you saw us, I, if you knew the conversation I started our day out with, you would know <laughs> You would know that's <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, no, we are, we are who we are, and that's not going to change. <laughs> Well, Sam, Jerry, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I really appreciate Sam and Jerry for coming on the podcast. That was a great chat. Uh, let me put it to you this way. I did not uh, see some of their stories coming. I mean, who would have ever thought, you know, um, a salad bar and a pirate uh, hooker statue uh, could get you into the uh, brewery owning uh, business, but I appreciate Sam and Jerry coming on. Remember, you can catch past episodes of the Hops and Spirits podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart, TuneIn, pretty much anywhere you can find uh, or listen to podcasts. You can find us. Uh, just search Hops and Spirits. And if you need a little extra help, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Hops Spirits, all one word. And we have some uh, extra details there. Hops Spirits, all one word on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you again to Alex Wilson for being our first six pack of questions. Thank you to Sam and Jerry as well. Remember, 10th episode giveaway. Look for the post tonight at 9. And keep a lookout for it if you catch this uh, later on uh, for other future giveaways and other ways to win with us. Until next time, cheers, everyone. Cheers.